Welcome to Pastor Matters, the podcast of the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. We hope this conversation will both equip and encourage you to lead healthy churches that make disciples for the glory of God. Hi, I'm Ron Jorlock, and I want to thank you for listening to another episode of Pastor Matters. I'm really excited for today's episode, uh, really for two reasons. Uh, The first is this is our 100th episode of the Pastor Matters podcast. And so I want to take a second to thank every single one of uh, the listeners here. Uh, Thank you for your support. Thank you for your encouragement over the last three seasons. Uh, You really are the reason that this podcast exists. Uh, We say from the beginning, we're here to encourage and equip uh, pastors and preachers of the word, and you are uh, are so wonderful in how you have uh, replied to us and given us feedback saying how encouraged and equipped you've been. And so we are here for you, and we're so grateful that you've continued to uh, tune in to listen to us. Um, And we want to thank you with a special giveaway going on this week. Uh, So find us on Twitter, find us on Facebook for details on how to win our thank you giveaway. This Friday, uh, we're going to have our winner. We're going to announce our winner. So please make sure that you enter as soon as possible. So the second reason that I'm excited for today's episode is because I'm joined by a dear, dear brother, Dr. Stephen Rummage. Dr. Rummage is on campus here at Southeastern this week for our annual Adams Lecture Series, and we're so happy to have him here investing in our students as well. Dr. Rummage serves as the senior pastor of Quail Springs Baptist Church in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Uh, he's served on the faculties here at Southeastern. He's also served at New Orleans uh, Baptist Theological Seminary, and he currently serves on the faculty at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas City, Missouri. He's the author of several books, and he's the founder of Moving Forward, which is a radio teaching ministry that airs daily uh, nationwide. Dr. Rummage, thank you again for taking time to join today's discussion on illustrations in preaching. Ron I'm so glad to be with you today, and congratulations on your 100th broadcast. That's really something else. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. If the if the listeners could see the video, we've grayed a little bit uh, <laughs> over the time, but, but the Lord has been kind, and he's been very gracious to us. Well, let, let's start off with, a, a, with some questions here. We're going to just jump right in. Um, is it necessary for sermons to have illustrations? If, and if so, or if not, why? Hey, that's a great question, and I think that's a question that preachers are struggling with and, and asking, and, and it's, sort of, it's sort of a cyclical thing. You know, there are times in, in the, the trends in preaching lean really heavily mm-hmm. toward using illustrations. There are also times where, where preachers and people who think about preaching may gravitate away from uh, using as many, many illustrations. Here's what I would say. An expository sermon doesn't have to have illustration. Uh, I think the two minimal uh, elements that an expository sermon needs to have, it it needs to have explanation of Mm -hmm. the biblical text. It needs to have application of the biblical text. If there's no explanation, then it's not expository. If there's no application, it's really not preaching. You know, Spurgeon said where the application begins, there the preaching begins. So you got to have those two things, right? But while every message doesn't have to have illustration, I would also say every message and every expository message 
should have mm-hmm. illustration. It benefits the message. I think a lot of times um, preachers uh, who, who who really are, are are tuned into being faithful and exposing the Word of God and preaching what the Word of God says, sometimes they have a tendency to think that illustration is a departure from the exposition. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, that I was preaching, but now I'm not preaching anymore because I'm illustrating. Yeah. The, the truth is, if you do it right, illustration deepens the exposition. Mm-hmm. It takes the exposition to a, a deeper place in the consciousness and the understanding of the listener. And so it enhances exposition if it's done well. Sure, sure, sure. Now, is there a particular situation in, in which you may put more, you may have more illustrations than in others? I think sometimes. I think, um, you know, I'll quote Spurgeon again because he has so much to say about oh, sure. illustration. Mm-hmm. But but one of the things that Spurgeon said was when you're preaching evangelistic messages, you need more illustration. And he not only said that in some of his lectures to his students, he did that. I, I was analyzing some of his uh, sermons for illustration not too long ago, and I, I came across one intentionally evangelistic message from Spurgeon. Mm-hmm. He had 17 separate illustrations wow. in that one message. Wow. So whether you think that was, you know, good or bad or the right thing or the wrong thing to do, he practiced or he preached what he taught, you know, about about uh, illustrations. So, but I think there's something to, to learn there that um, that when we're talking to people who may be more disengaged with what we've got to say, mm-hmm. that may be a place where illustration helps us. Or where we where we really want to help people see how a biblical truth works its way out into real life mm-hmm. and to lived experience. That's a place where illustration can help us. One of the values of illustration is that illustration gets the interest of people who might otherwise be disinterested. Mm-hmm. And you know you, you can see it. I, I used to think about you know, when I, when I would preach, uh, I, I, and even now I still think about it, but I think about people that I used to see out in the congregation. I, I picture a man who's at church on Sunday morning. I'm not sure why he's there. Mm-hmm. I guess he's there because his wife makes him come. I don't know. But he's he's sitting there, arms folded. I'm up on the platform preaching, and he's looking in, you know, he's looking away. Mm-hmm. I'm, he's looking at the wall, and I'm up, up on the platform, and everything about him tells me he's disinterested. Mm-hmm. But you tell a story, and all of a sudden, he turns and he's looking at you. Yeah, and his arms aren't folded anymore, mm-hmm. and he gets a little bit enga- more engaged. And and I, I and and I think from his perspective, he's thinking, well, he's not he's not preaching anymore. Sure. He's telling me this story, and I'm interested in this story. And so I think I think there's value in that if you're thinking about disinterested people, lost people, mm-hmm. uh, people who you know have whatever their motive is for for being in the room when you're preaching, it's, it doesn't seem to be to, to listen to you. Illustrations draw people in, and it, it allows us to speak to them. So I think there are certain messages. That uh, and certain occasions where illustration and having more illustration really does help us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when we're talking illustrations, what are we talking about? I mean, are we are we talking about, you know, the 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 five minute story, <laughs> right? <laughs> are we? Right. Or what 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 do you mean when you say illustrations? And, and that's a great question. I think usually when people hear the word illustration in sermon, 
they think story, mm-hmm. right? They think anecdote, a little short story with a sort of a punchline at the end and it proves a point. And that's a great kind of illustration to use. I use that kind of illustration all the time. Yeah. But when I think of illustration, what I try to think of is not just story, but image. Mm-hmm. And if you think about the word illustration, the, the word literally means to throw light on something. Yeah, yeah. If you think about how we use the word illustration outside of preaching, if you get a, you know, a book with illustrations, that means it has pictures in it, right? So an illustration is anything that appeals to the imagination, hmm. appeals to the, to the visual in the listener. So it can be certainly a little mm-hmm. story or an anecdote. But it can also be an object lesson or a brief analogy that's not really a story, mm-hmm. or it can be a, a word image that you use. It's anything that helps the listener see what you're talking about. And I, I think when, when preachers begin to think of illustration in that way, they don't feel compelled then to have, okay, I've got to have you know four different stories in this sermon. Now you don't need that many stories in a sermon, in all likelihood. Yeah. But you probably do need an image that draws a picture of the biblical truth in every movement or point of your message. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember uh, just just a few weeks ago, uh, we started a series in Ecclesiastes, mm-hmm. and I was asked to preach the introduction right. uh, to the book of Ecclesiastes. And uh, one way that I used, uh, one way that I illustrated the the main word in the book of Ecclesiastes, Hevel, mm-hmm. uh, is is I brought a cool mist humidifier uh-huh. uh, there and had it plugged in, mm-hmm. turned on, and everything. And so as I'm preaching, the smoke is coming out right. of the uh, out of the the humidifier the whole time. And I would uh, define the term Hevel, and I, I think I believe I said you know it uh, it is it, it has a sense of vapor, which right. is the, the right. Hebrew word, but it carries the connotation in Ecclesiastes of elusiveness. Uh, enigma, you know, things we just can't grasp, you know, right. we want to try to get it and it's, and it's gone. Um, and, you know, the idea of expiration, you know, it's, it's here today, but it's, it, but it's gone tomorrow. I try to grab it and, and, and it disappears. Even when I have it, I don't have it for long, right. you know, and, and so on. And every time I, I added a definition, I'd go right back to this, the, the, the humidifier. So that's going on the whole time. The whole time. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, usually I, I, I speak down on fog machines and smoke <laughs> machines and all of that, but for sake of illustration, right. you know, it, it worked really effectively. And and yeah, that was an illustration uh, that you know. As hopefully, as long as they are going through uh, Ecclesiastes, they have that idea of the vapor coming out of the out of the humidifier. I, I think people will remember that. Yeah. Even as you're as you're sharing that, um, I remember and here on on campus at Southeastern Seminary when I was teaching here, uh, Dr. Logan Carson uh-huh. was speaking, and he was from preaching from Ecclesiastes. Talked about the same concept of vanity, mm-hmm. and he uh, he blew bubbles. Okay. And he brought he brought you know like a, a kid's soap bubble thing, sure, and uh, with the wine, you know, and he's blowing bubbles. And he talked about that vanity is what's left over when that soap bubble pops, which is wow, nothing. But same same illust- same concept, right? Yeah. And the same idea of, of a visual idea. Those are illustrations that you know stick with people. Yeah, and yeah. and so I think I think anything we use that appeals to the visual, uh, we should think of as illustration. I Mm -hmm. I think that sort of frees people up not to feel like they have to tell stories all the time. Having said that, 
I, I will also say probably the most consistently effective way that we illustrate is in some type of short mm-hmm. uh, narrative within within the message. And before we, I, I, we have other questions, I know that we won't talk about, but I, I want to. I don't want to go past this without saying it. The key is short. Yes. Uh, long illustrations begin to detract from the matter at hand, which is the exposition of the text, mm-hmm. and uh, and and they begin to overpower the message. I I shared this in in one of the lectures that that I've shared here on campus at Southeastern. The longest parable that Jesus told was the parable of the prodigal son. Mm-hmm. It's complicated. It's got mm-hmm. all kinds of things that happened in that parable. It's the longest parable that he t- that he told. You go and read that parable from Luke chapter 15. Read it out loud. Mm-hmm. It will take you less than three minutes to read that, reading mm-hmm. slowly. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, it, that would be in a 30-minute sermon less than 10% of your sermon, right? Yeah. So it doesn't have to be long, long, long. In fact, it's better for it not to be. Mm-hmm. Short, to the point, and then helping to serve the text as you're going along. Absolutely, absolutely. So so what are, uh, you, you mentioned short, uh, you know, um, you know, vivid, and 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 so on. Um, are there any other elements that you would that you would say like like what what makes an illustration? And and I'm going to talk about that from the standpoint of of more of a narrative type illustration. Okay. So if if you're if you're doing an, an image or or a brief analogy, some of these things wouldn't apply, but some of them would. But I I, I talk about three Ds okay. in illustration. So 3D illustrations. First nice. of all, <laughs> first of all, detail. Mm-hmm. And think about constructing the illustration with details that appeal to the senses. Hmm. Use language that helps people see or hear or perhaps even taste or smell what you're talking about. Use details. And and be be economic in the way you use those details. I've heard some preachers try to do this and they they use really precious flowery language that that men don't like to hear. I don't like to hear it. It's just it, it, it and nobody likes to hear that kind of language. Anyway, don't don't feel like this means like hyper uh, descriptive language, but just a few details. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if if you're talking about a car, tell them what kind of car you're talking about. Don't yeah. just say a car, say red truck or mm-hmm. don't just say red truck, say red you know, Chevy, Silverado, whatever it is, right. help them. Because when you do that, they begin to see things mm-hmm. and they begin to construct. Mm-hmm. So detail. Secondly, dialogue. Include conversations between people in your stories. That makes it come alive. Think about the parable of the prodigal son. Jesus has the prodigal son speaking to the father, the father talking back, and then the, the son talking to himself when he's feeding the pigs, and mm-hmm. he's talking out loud. And then when he comes back, the, 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 the father talking to the servants and telling them what to do for the son, then the older brother coming and being angry, and he's talking. There's direct dialogue. Yeah. That type of dialogue makes the story come alive and sort of brings the listener inside the story. Mm-hmm. So don't just report what someone said in a story, have them talk to one another. So detail, dialogue, and then third, drama. And here's what I mean by that. Think about the best way to tell that story for maximum payoff. Hmm. That's why my grandmother could never tell a joke. (laughs) She'd always tell you the punchline first. Uh If you tell the punchline first, 
nobody's going to stay around for the joke, right? Right, right. And so with with illustrations, don't tell them at the beginning what it's going to be about. Mm -hmm. Let them get, they know you're going somewhere with it, right? They, They know, at least we hope they think that we're not just up here telling this story. Yeah. They know you're going somewhere with it, but withhold where you're going with it Till you get to the end yeah. and then think about, okay, how do I tell this for maximum impact so that when I get to the point where I'm going to connect this back to the text, there's a little bit of intrigue with that and then a greater payoff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it's it's interesting to me, just from a, from a visible, physical standpoint, when you're telling an illustration, people get on board with you, they're listening. You know, that guy that had his arms crossed is now, you know, sort of leaned in and watching you a little bit better. And then you come to the end and you make the point and take it back to the text and you sort of get a flash of recognition on the on the faces of the people. They think, wow, okay, I see how that connects. Well, the reason they see how it connects is because you showed them. Yeah. But but there's a payoff mm-hmm. for them mm-hmm. as you as you connect that dot. So I would say details, dialogue. And then think about some drama. And I'm not talking about being hyper-dramatic. I'm just thinking, structure the illustration for maximum payoff. Yeah. It takes a little bit of time to do that in terms of the way you plan it, mm-hmm. but it, it pays off. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you think in a, a good story uh, has a good plot. And right. a good plot has good conflict. Right. You know, there's some, uh, there's some obstacle or some set of obstacles that have to be overcome in order to, you know, in order to achieve the goal, whatever right. the goal is. And and that's typically where that drama comes. It, you know, the interpersonal conflict, the situational conflict, mm-hmm. you know, and all of that. The you know, if you uh, shortchange the conflict, you shortchange the story. I think so. Yeah, yeah. That's that's really good. That's really good. Now, we're talking here illustrations and mm-hmm. we're even talking about how to tell a good story and 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 so on. And I'm sure that there are some I don't think our listeners are thinking this, but I think that our listeners know people who think this uh-huh. that that are going, what a waste of time. <laughs> I mean, we're supposed to be preaching the Bible. Right. <laughs> we're supposed to be preaching the word. And we're over here talking about how to tell a good story. We don't want we don't want all that watered down mess. Right. You know, just right. just give me the meat. You right. know, and take out all that filler. How mm-hmm. how do you how do you respond to? Well, folks and I think that? I think that's a real real concern that that people have. And I think there's some validity to that because there are some preachers who do use illustration as filler, Mm -hmm. right? I call it giving out candy to the kids. Mm -hmm. And basically what I'm saying as a preacher, I'm going to tell you this story that doesn't have anything to do with my message and it's taking up a lot of time and it's making you laugh or it's making you cry or trying to make you connect with me or whatever else I'm trying to do with it. But basically what I'm saying is, I think that you are so unspiritual and so unconcerned about what I'm talking about that the only way I can keep you on board at all is to tell you this inane little story. Mm-hmm. All right, I react to against that kind of illustration. Absolutely. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about illustration that serves uh-huh. the exposition and the application of the text. Mm. And I think the the key there is you start with the expositional concept you want to talk about. You start by saying, okay, what's the concept the text is talking about? What's the concept that I'm communicating from this text in my sermon? And then to think about a well-chosen, well-planned, economically told, 
illustration that will then reinforce this truth. And I think there's great value in that. And I don't think that's a departure from the exposition at all. It's mm-hmm. part of the exposition. Sure. It deepens the exposition. And it's not filler. It becomes essential mm-hmm. to, to what the, the message is is seeking to accomplish. Now, there's some people who who relate to everything propositionally. That's the way they live their life. Mm-hmm. Awesome. That's great. That's not most people. Yeah. Most people live their lives in stories and examples. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My wife asked me what kind of day have you had. I do not give her four principles about my day. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't do that. I tell her stories. Uh-huh. I tell her what happened. And, and I think a lot of people relate to, to, to messages that way. And then something else I would encourage people to think about is this. The Bible speaks to us in story. Absolutely. Such a huge percentage mm-hmm. of the biblical text is narrative. Yeah. Why? Because people relate to experience. Yeah. People understand what God is doing many times by seeing how he is working, what he is doing, and what he does in the in the stories of his people. And so we see that in, in the overall narrative of, of Scripture. But then also, when Jesus came, and the Bible says Jesus came preaching, and then the Bible also says Without a parable, he did not speak to them. Mm-hmm. Now, we know he used parables for different things. Sometimes Jesus used parables to clarify. Mm-hmm. Sometimes Jesus used parables to mystify, yeah. right? And, yeah. and it says that. Mm-hmm. But he sure did use parables. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so I think as we follow what we see the Word of God doing, part of that is, is using illustration. And then even beyond uh, beyond that, think about words in the script, just words in, in say, the writings of Paul that in themselves are image, illustrative words. Mm-hmm. In fact, I can't think of one word that the Bible uses to talk about our relationship with God through Jesus Christ that is not an illustrative, illustrative word. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, reconciliation. Yeah. Two enemies, now at peace. Mm-hmm. That's an illustrative word. Mm-hmm. Redemption. Mm-hmm. Slave, yeah. purchased to be set free. Mm-hmm. Salvation. Mm-hmm. Someone is perishing and they're rescued. Yeah. Regeneration. Mm-hmm. Someone is born again. Yeah. Uh, what other ones? Adoption. Adoption. Yeah. An mm-hmm. orphan comes into a family. Yeah. Justification. Yeah. I was guilty. I was declared not I mean we could yeah. we could go on. Mm-hmm. Every one of those words is an image word. Yeah. Everyone's an, an illustrative word. So the, the the illustrative value of language or the illustrative function of language is found throughout the scripture. Mm-hmm. I would just say uh, if if you've said to yourself or if you know if you have friends who say that you know illustrations weak in preacher illustration means you're not really taking the text seriously. I think you need to look at the text again. Yeah. And then think about what is preaching designed to do. Mm-hmm. I want to explain the text so that people can understand the text and then trust and obey the text. Yeah. Explanation of the text, application of the text. And I would say in the middle, illustration serves as a servant. Yeah. No doubt, explanation and application are the masters of the sermon. Mm-hmm. But illustration serves exposition, explanation, and application. Yeah, that's a good word. That's a good word. You know, I, I talk to my students um, about 
images and 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 uh, illustrations mm-hmm. and so on. I tell them the first place to look for those, you know, before you before you start, you know, uh, uh, scavenging the internet, mm-hmm. you know, and, and right. looking for uh, for for stuff. I, I say the first place to look is right there in the text, right? Because nine times out of ten, the passage you're working with has some type of image there. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some type of word picture, some type of analogy, or something that's going right. on there. Uh, think uh, just in terms of you. You mentioned salvation. Think about all the images that are used for our Lord. Right. I mean, you know, the the Lord is our rock. Right. The Lord is our fortress. Mm-hmm. The Lord is my shepherd. You know, the the God is my father. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, you know, we are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, going back to that shepherd imagery, uh, the the Lord is a fire. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, consuming fire. Uh, I mean, just all of the images that that God Himself uses right. <laughs> of Himself right. uh, when He speaks. You know, He appeared to Israel in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, and and just. On and on and on the uh, the the ways that he describes himself in the scriptures, and in many ways uh, for for us as exp- expositors, those images can jumpstart, you know, uh, illustrations right. and analogies and so on. There, so how is God? a fortress for us. You know, what does it mean that we hide under the shadow of his wings? Right. Like in Psalm 91, remember I preached that uh, a, a couple of years ago for our college students. And, and I said, God is, God is big bird. <laughs> I said, we, we watch Sesame street. Right. Um, I don't know if, if folks still watch Sesame street, but, but I know when I was a kid, we watched yeah. Sesame street and, and here we are, we're watching and, and you see the little kids and they come up to big bird and big bird just kind of swallows right. them whole right. <laughs> in their wings. And it's just that sense of, of just being surrounded, just being, right. you know, uh, 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 subsumed, if you will, into, you know, mm-hmm. his, it right into his arms, into his, his bosom and so on. And, and every time I tell I told the students, every time you see Big Bird hugging a kid, right? Just think that's the way God hugs me. You know, that's, that's the way word. He embraces right. me. And that's yeah. a that's an image that most people have have with them already, right? Yeah. They, they know what that looks like, and then you're connecting it to something that maybe they hadn't thought about. Before. Yeah, yeah. And I think yeah. that's what illustration does, right? It takes the it takes something we already understand. Mm-hmm. And it connects it to something from God's word that we need to understand, yeah. that we need to see. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. So what are some different ways that pastors can utilize illustration? Like say, for instance, in their sermon points. So maybe not an image you know, encompassing the entire sermon, but right. maybe just the individual points. Yeah. And, and by the way, I generally would tell preachers not to have one illustration that encompasses the whole sermon. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. Some, I've heard that done to great effect, sure. but also... Unless that's a biblical image, it, it winds up the, the message winds up being about that image mm-hmm. rather than the text. Mm-hmm. So I, I'll usually say you need an illustration for the introduction. You need some type of of image and in the conclusion. And then I would also say for each point or movement of the sermon, I would encourage every preacher to think about what type of illustration might I have. So when I'm preaching. Uh, I just sort of do it the way that I I was taught to do it in in seminary, and I've I've stuck with and the way I taught it when I was a professor, and I've sort of stuck with it. I have a pattern that I use for every every movement or point of my message. I state the theological truth of that point, and that's the division statement or the point, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. I state that point. I explain what the text has to say about that point, words and phrases or 
or if it's a biblical narrative, what's happening in the, in the text. But I, I, I explain that. And then usually the next thing I do is illustrate. Mm-hmm. I use some type of image, analogy, example, something to help the listener visualize and see the truth that I'm talking about in that point. And then usually the last sentence of the illustration is the first sentence of the application. Mm. You move to the application. How does how can I trust and obey God with this truth that I've heard? And usually after I've done those things, the next thing is to tell them what the next point is. Yeah. You know, I think Haddon Robinson said in biblical preaching, he said, when you present an idea, there's just so many things you can do with it. Mm-hmm. So you can explain it, you can illustrate it, you may argue it, you can apply it, and then that's it. You move on to the next idea. So that that's usually the way uh, I, I'm thinking about constructing my, my points and my message. And one of the things I look at is I look at the whole sermon and especially the illustrative content in the sermon. I ask myself, what kind of balance do I have mm-hmm. uh, in this sermon in, in, uh, in every regard, but especially with illustration? And here's what I mean by balance. Um, do I have too many stories? Hmm. Sometimes I'll, I'll fool myself on this and just, just in transparency. Sometimes I'll have a, a sermon with like three great stories. Mm-hmm. And that seems great when it's on paper. But when I get up and start preaching it, I start feeling like I'm just telling stories. Yeah. Just one story. It's like somebody sure. calls that a skyscraper sermon, one story on top of another, just you know, story after story <laughs> after story. So one of the things I try to do is to say, okay, maybe I don't need this many story illustrations. Maybe I need one or two and something in between, but, you know, in, in terms of the points, but not one story after another. But I look for balance there. I also look for balance in terms of uh, types of illustration. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's say, for example, I, like, I like to use illustrations that, that come from art. Mm-hmm. I'm not an artist. I'm not an art expert. I just sort of like to use those illustrations, something that resonates with me. So like, you know, I've, over the years, I've told all kinds of illustrations about, about Leonardo da Vinci or this or Rembrandt's just different things. Yeah. But let's say I was looking at a sermon and lo and behold, I've got the first point I'm talking about, you know, a piece of art by Michelangelo. The second one I'm talking about a piece of art by Rembrandt. The third one I'm talking about, you know, yeah. that's too much. Right. No, there, there are men in the congregation are going to be saying, quit talking about art. We don't yeah. know, you know, yeah. and there are women who are saying, quit talking about art. But so I look at it and say, do I have balance there in terms of the types of illustrations? So, mm-hmm. If you look at your illustration and you notice every illustration in some way relates to football, okay, that's overbalanced. You right. got to, you need to go back and and change that. And and mm-hmm. you might even want to look at your whole preaching ministry mm-hmm. and say, am I? Do I always tell them a story about when I played on the college football team? That's awesome. We're glad you played. We're all impressed. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Yeah. But not every week do you yeah. need to talk about those things. So I, I ask about. Uh, you know, balance there. Another thing I ask on terms of balance, how many of these are personal illustrations? Mm. I say one per per sermon is good. In fact, I I would recommend that you have something that that is either a personal observation or a personal experience or a personal story in the illustration. Here's why. People connect with what you're saying as they connect 
to you. Mm-hmm. And so there's a, there's a need for some transparency and and disclosure. Uh, I used to say, uh, yeah, I may not be thin, but I can still be transparent. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm a little bit thinner than I used to be when I said that, but 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 even so, I, I want to be transparent. And there's a, there's a place for some self disclosure and transparency, sure, in the message. But while one in a sermon is great, and two may be okay, if I've got three or four personal things. Mm-hmm and I'm just talking about myself all the time, then that can become a problem. So I'm looking for balance there. And then I'm looking for balance in terms of the type and length of illustration. Uh, Do I have analogies as well as examples? And an analogy corresponds indirectly to the truth I'm talking about, right? So I'm I'm talking about... um, I'm talking about God's presence with us... Mm -hmm. But the illustration I use is an illustration of, you know, a child longing for his mother's uh, mother to be with him, you know, when, when he's afraid to go to sleep at night. Okay, that's an analogy, right? Mm-hmm. But an example corresponds directly to the truth we're talking about. So I'm talking about God's presence with us, and I tell about, you know, driving home from uh, the cemetery after someone I love has died and, mm-hmm. and feeling alone and and by myself, and then realizing that the Lord is with me mm-hmm. in those circumstances. There's a difference. Mm-hmm. One's an analogy. Mm-hmm. It, it relates, but it relates indirectly. Yeah. One's an example. It relates directly to what we're talking about. And, and there needs to be a balance. Mm-hmm. Usually, I try to illustrate by analogy in the introduction and by example in the conclusion. Okay. Because I'm illustrating the main idea of that message and at the beginning, I usually start with an analogy because I'm starting with something you're already familiar with mm-hmm. and then drawing you into this truth that you may not be familiar with. At the end, I'm trying to help you see how that truth lives itself out hmm. in real life. I need an example. Yeah. So just looking for balance of those things. I yeah. don't know if that gets it at no, the question. That's, that's great. That, that, yeah. That's really, really helpful. Um, you know, going back to what you were saying about uh, balance in terms of you, know, you don't want to you don't want to uh, uh, fish in the same pond, right. you know, over right. and over again. I was thinking about that even with you mentioned uh, the parable of the prodigal son. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, before uh, Jesus gives the the story about the lost sheep, mm-hmm. and he starts off, "What man among you?" Right. You know, uh, and so on. And then when he talks about the the lost coin, mm-hmm. he says, "Or what woman?" Right. And so, right side by side, he had an example that uh, that that men can relate to. Yeah. And he had something that women can relate to, you know, so, you know, men, you know, you're a shepherd, you're out there in the pasture, you got, you know, a hundred sheep, you lose one, you know, you got to go and find them, you leave the 99, go find that other one and all that. And then, and I could imagine the guys in the crowd going, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I, I understand that. And the woman, you know, probably the coin is related to her dowry, right. you know, maybe it has something to do with her, with, uh, with that. And so, you know, she loses that coin. Well, you know, that's essentially her life savings, right. you know, so it's, she didn't just lose a penny. Penny, right. you know, she she lost, you know, her retirement. Right, if you if right. we'd say it today, mm-hmm. uh, and so she's looking and going, where did I where did I put that? Where's my where's right. my nest egg? I don't know mm-hmm. where it is. And and she finds it, and they celebrate and so on. But yeah, you've got the the one story where he's going directly to the guys. You've got another one. He's going directly to the gals, and and in so doing, he's uh, illustrating for us the right. balancing uh, act there with our illustrations. Yeah, I think I think that's really instructive and helpful. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. That's really 
good. Um, are there any dangers or or risks to consider when we're planning our illustrations? Yeah, I think there are. I, I think one, which we've already talked about, is overuse mm-hmm. too much or even more so too long. They just they need to be you know short and 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 compact. But then I think some other things that we have to think about. One is making sure we tell the truth mm. in our illustrations. And I think that ad- aspect of truthfulness shows up in a lot of different uh, areas. You know, first of all, am I telling a story? Uh, if, if, if I'm telling a story that is not true, mm-hmm. that's cool. Mm-hmm. But I need to be able to, I need to tell the listener that it's not true. Yeah. If, if, there's a difference between a lie and fiction. Mm-hmm. And the difference is fiction lets everybody know that it's fiction. Right. A lie tries to pass off a fiction as a truth. Mm-hmm. So if you're telling a, a fictional story, say, this is a fictional story. Mm-hmm. Or or better yet, just say, imagine or suppose. Yeah. Or, as Jesus did, what man among you or what woman among you? you know, nobody's thinking, well, who was that shepherd? Where was he? Yeah. Who was that woman you're talking about? We can tell yeah. it's a fictional story. Mm-hmm. He sets it up that way. So truthfulness means that if it's fictional, let them know it's fictional. Truthfulness also means if you're borrowing, borrowing a story from another preacher, just tell it. Mm-hmm. Just, mm-hmm. That's, that's great, too. Yeah. But just tell it. And you don't have to give you know, page number, publisher. You don't, that, I've, and I've heard preachers do that, like, like citing this illustration in their sermon as though it were a you know, research paper. Yeah. You, don't, you need to have that in your notes mm-hmm. so that you know where you got it from. But all you need to say is, hey, my friend t- told this story. Yeah. You, or Ron, I heard Ron Jorlock tell this story. Mm-hmm. Or I read this the other day. Just let them know you got it from somewhere. If it's a specific person, if that, that, you can tell them that as well. But give credit where credit's due. That's part of truthfulness. And then another part of truthfulness, and this is, this is a major issue, is truthfulness means don't knowingly tell something that is untrue mm. as though it were true. Mm. And certainly don't tell something that happened to someone else mm-hmm. as though it happened to you. Sure. Uh, you know, the, the other two things that we talked about are sort of sloppiness. Mm-hmm. In pre- but that last one, telling something untrue as though it were true or telling something that happened to, uh, to someone else like it happened to you, that's, that's dishonest. Yeah. And that really has no place for us in, as preachers. And so... That, that's one caution, is just mm-hmm. the, the issue of making sure we're being truthful mm-hmm. uh, in what we're telling. And then I would say also, uh, in addition to, to truthfulness, tastefulness. Mm-hmm. I had not intended to alliterate those, but since they do, let's just go with it. There we truthfulness go. <laughs> and, then, and then tastefulness to think about, okay, when I tell the story, am I telling it in a way that is tasteful, that shows decorum mm-hmm. and... Uh, you know, I, I know that some of those issues of questions of tastefulness are, are generational and everything else. Like, I get mm-hmm. that. I understand that. But I would just also say, you know, when you're in that pulpit and when you're not in that pulpit, you're a man of God. You need to dignify your language. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so be careful about what kinds of things you share. Yeah. Uh, and I've heard. Preachers use illustrations for shock value or say things for shock value in, in sermons that just don't have a place. Mm-hmm. And so if, if there's a question, if it's questionable, I'd leave that out. That, that, that begins to take too much attention in the sermon 
and then takes away from the text. I'd say, yeah. I'd say tastefulness there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a good word. That's a good word. There, there's so many ways that our illustrations um, can distract right. from the text. And we always have to keep in mind that the goal of an illustration is to attract us to the text, you know, to draw us towards the text and not repel. So whether it's, you know, I I, I like to say there's some stories that are just too good. You know, they're they're so good that they overshadow, Mm -hmm. you know, the point that you're trying to make. I, I remember I had a guy. Uh, I I was teaching at a Christian school, and they uh, asked me to recommend someone for uh, for chapel. Mm-hmm. And so I gave a, a name of a friend of mine, and he came in, and I'm sitting there, and I'm going, I'm going to get fired. I'm, they're going <laughs> to fire me. And he told this story. It was something that had to do with like contemporary hip hop and mm-hmm. and 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 all of this. And he got. He got all everybody's attention. Right. He absolutely got their right. attention. Uh, you know, and it's, even the students were standing up going, oh, that's my jam. Yeah, I love that song right. and all that. And I'm slowly shrinking in my chair. Uh, but I got an opportunity to talk to some of the students in the, in the next class. And they said, man, that was the greatest chapel speaker we ever had. Which made me feel some kind of way because I preached in chapel many, many times right, right, <laughs> at right. school. But I was like, okay, he wasn't that good, you know. But, <laughs> but I asked them the question. I said, why was he good? And they said, oh, because he was so relatable. Okay, where did where was he relating? Oh, he he talked about the songs we listened to and all of that. And then I just asked the question, what was the point? Right. Nobody had a clue what right. the point was. Right. And I said. It was it was actually a class with communication Mm -hmm. and so on. And I told them, I said, if you're going to communicate and you're going to use examples and you're going to use illustrations, you got to make sure that the examples and illustrations don't overshadow the point or else it's not a good illustration. I think that's a good word. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I I remember some time back it became really popular to have big props. Mm hmm. Right. Big, mm-hmm. big things roll out on the platform. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it doesn't matter what else you say from the text. Mm-hmm. If you bring, <laughs> you know, a speedboat out on the platform. Yeah. That message is about the speedboat. Exactly. Well, there's no text that's speedboat. Right. So. Yeah. That, so. So it's always going to overshadow the the the, uh, the, uh, the there's a book called The Craft of uh, Sermon Illustration by William Sangster. Hmm. And mm-hmm. it's it's from the first part of the 20th century. He says something that surprised me. Here's what he said. He was talking about, going back to the, the area of truthfulness, he said this, if you know a story is true, but it's so fantastical that it doesn't seem true, don't tell it. Mm. He said, even if you know it's true, and I think he was getting at what you just said, it's yeah. like it's so overpowering mm-hmm. that the truth begins to, of uh, the text begins to diminish. Yeah. And I think that's like what you you, you described. You know, yeah. It wasn't that the story wasn't true or it was like too good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, too good a story. It overpowered the, the message. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That. Absolutely. Don't add too much salt. Don't add too much garlic. Amen. You know, <laughs> it, it may be good, but it might burn. Right. And, uh, right. <laughs> you know, the, the good chef knows only a, only a dab will do, mm-hmm. you know, uh, only enough to uh, uh, to to in, enhance the flavors right. that are already there. Yeah, Absolutely. 
So are there any final words of encouragement? I mean, you think you've got some pastors out here, we've got some uh, Bible teachers and preachers uh, that that may be a little intimidated by by the thought of illustrations, and perhaps that's why they don't give as many. Right. Uh, any words of encouragement to them as they prep? Yeah. One thing I would say is illustrations don't have to be um, fantastic or super dramatic to be effective. Hmm. In fact, the best ones are things that people are already familiar with. Hmm. Um, and so as you're thinking about, you know, using illustration, you don't have to have some incredible story to tell, but you, you do need an image that helps the listener to see the truth of the text. Hmm. And if you'll think about it that way, it sort of relieves the pressure. Yeah. Um, this this is not the star of the sermon. This is the servant of the sermon. Hmm. The text is the star of the sermon. And and what I want to do with illustration is just to help my listener to see that text. So use things that are common to life. Those are the things that will most resonate with your people and help them to remember biblical truth. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll finish up with an illustration from Spurgeon and it's an illustration that Spurgeon told about his own illustrations. So here's, okay. the, here, here's the illustration. <laughs> it, it, and he, it's, it's a story he told about something that happened to him. Uh, Spurgeon said that he was visiting in the hospital, and there was a man there who was in the hospital, a poor man, who had been coming to Spurgeon's church for some time. And Spurgeon came into his room to see him. And when the man saw Spurgeon, he just lit up. Of course, I guess he's amazed, you know, that the pastor of this church, you know, such a well-known man would come by and see him. But here's what he said to him. He said, Mr. Spurgeon, he said, you've given us so many illustrations in your sermons that there's nothing I can look at around my room or outside my window that doesn't remind me of something you've said in one of your sermons. Hmm. Isn't that something? Yeah. Uh, so those are common things, right? Things that you'd see in a hospital bedroom or looking out the window. Things that that preacher had used to help people understand biblical truth. And they stuck with the person who hear, heard. And not only that, they took him back to the truth that had been proclaimed. Hmm. doesn't have to be dramatic. doesn't have to be a big home run grand slam illustration, just something that helps people see the truth and you'll help them. Mm, that's a good word. That's a good word. Dr. Rummage, thank you for today's discussion. And I'm so grateful for you and I'm so grateful for your years of faithful ministry and uh, just pray by God's grace, you just keep pressing on. Hey, thank you so much, Ron George. It's been great to be with you. Thanks so much. And I want to thank uh, you listeners for uh, listening to another episode of Pastor Matters. Uh, if you found today's conversation helpful, won't you consider leaving us a five-star rating and review? We'd love to hear any feedback that you'd be willing to give. As always, it is our mission at the Center for Preaching and Pastoral Leadership to equip and encourage pastors, and I hope we've done that with today's conversation. And as always, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. 